Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Nishat Kurwa, executive producer of the Vox Media Podcast Network. On this podcast, we talk to ambitious women about how they've come this far and where they're going next. Today's guest, Katie Segal, has been a near fixture on primetime TV for more than 30 years, starting with Married with Children, one of the longest-running sitcoms on Fox. In her most recent leading role, she played the title character of the ABC drama Rebel. The show debuted in April of this year. It felt pretty timely after the social uprisings and corporate reckonings of summer 2020. Rebel is inspired by the life of Aaron Brockovich, and Seagal's character is a former detective turned consumer advocate who works to help ordinary people take power against malfeasance and corruption. I think one of the main things that attracted me to the project was the social advocacy part of it. She's a fighter for social justice, and that she also gives voice to people that feel that they are powerless and have no voice, which is also a sign of what has been going on this last year. I think a lot of people just feel like, you know, helpless and like they have, nobody's listening. And and what is the truth? And uh, all those questions. So this character, Rebel, stays in the truth. That's her thing. And and uh, no matter, even if when, when a bunch of people are telling you, no, it's not what you think it is. No, it's not what you think it is. She stays on point. What she really does is she empowers people, which I think is very important in the world we're in right now. She gives you the fishing pole rather than catches the fish for you. And um, that completely inspired me to do the part. You know, what we deal with in Rebel in the first season, in the, in the major arc, is this idea of faulty medical devices and things that are not uh, tested on people. They're just grandfathered into the system. And that is a huge problem and th- something that people don't really feel that they're heard about. And so what Rebel does, uh, and, the, and the Aaron Brockovich of it all, which Rebel is inspired by her, that's what Aaron does. You know, people reach out to her on email and she answers all the emails and she'll get involved in your problem uh, if she feels that she can shine a light on it, no matter how big or small, you know, like uh, real people stuff. So um, that's the one that, uh, I really love that about Rebel. And I do feel like it's very timely. I feel like it's also timely that she is um, a woman with three children and a messy personal life, and a couple of ex-husbands, and a current husband, and she's trying to juggle it all. And personally, as a working mom with three kids myself, I know what that juggle looks like. And somebody always gets pissed off. (laughs) And then you try to smooth it, you know, and then you do the best you can. You know, we are multitaskers, women, but we are doing the best we can. And that's what Rebel is. But she doesn't always succeed, which which is good, because that is the truth. The actual core character of this very intense, rapid-fired, clumsy at the same time, well-rounded but flawed woman is definitely some of that is from the Erin Brockovich character of who she is when I met her. I was like, oh, you really do talk that fast. Oh, you really are. You know, um, she's very intense about what she's passionate about, which is, as an actor, it was great for me to play because I'm actually not that way. I mean, I'm very like kind of, um, I, I think, I mean, maybe my husband thinks differently, but I believe that I'm very sort of laissez-faire about things. I'm a bit diplomatic. I'm a bit chill. I'm just sort of like, whatever, everybody's got an opinion. It's okay. We can all get along. You know, I'm like that. So 
it's been an interesting and and very um, uh, invigorating role to play because it's kind of like all that inner voice stuff that you know when you scream at people in your head. She she says it. <laughs> Loudness is one of the defining attributes of the character that made Seagal famous back in 1987. Loud sartorial choices and loud defiance of what domesticity had conventionally looked like on TV. Let's clear up a few misconceptions. There are two things Peggy Bundy doesn't do. Number one, cook, clean, sew, vacuum, iron, and parent. And number two, exercise. Okay. Married with Children was one of the shows that launched the Fox network. Jen Cheney, Vulture's TV critic, says it poked fun at the notion of the squeaky clean, moralizing sitcom. But in this really interesting way, I think that she leaned into and also subverted certain stereotypes because one of the stereotypes in a traditional sitcom like that is that, you know, you always have the nagging wife or the wife who is uh, the more responsible one and the husband gets to be sort of a, a man baby. And she was always kind of nagging Al, but in this way that made her, um, it gave her more agency in the in this context of the sitcom. Like it, it didn't feel as much like this is uh, Ed Bundy's show. It felt like it was more about the couple and the family. Um, and I think a lot of that can be attributed to just what a what a good performance that was. And I think maybe people didn't appreciate it as much at the time because they were pushing boundaries in a lot of ways in terms of the language that they used. Um, you know, even in terms of some like sexual innuendo type things that at the time were very shocking to people. She wasn't your typical housewife, I'll put it that way. This is my friend Shantae's mom, Brenda Martin, who loved Married with Children. You know, at work, when I would go to work and we talk about what we watch on TV and stuff and the white girls at work, they didn't particularly care for Married with Children because the wife was sleazy and she didn't work and she just you know, sat around the house and didn't do nothing but gossip and polish her fingernails and stuff like that. Miss Brenda says a big part of what interested her about the character and the show were how they broke the mold of what TV families had historically looked like. They were raunchy white people. And, you know, they always want to portray white people as middle class, upper middle class comedy shows. Then, you know, years ago they had black shows with black comedies, but they will they would always portray us as poor people with no education, cleaning white people's houses and stuff like that. Married with Children's co-creator Michael G. Moy is a black man who had written on some of those shows, like Good Times. He was also a producer on The Jeffersons. He and co-creator Ron Levitt called Married with Children the anti-Cosbys. The show ran for 11 seasons on Fox. Seagal says five years into that success, the actors renegotiated their contracts. But she always knew her pay wasn't on par with her co-star, Ed O'Neill. I can tell you that I've played, uh, I've played a lot of people's wives and a lot of people's uh, mothers and a lot of people's, um, you know, the second to a very strong man. I've done that a lot. And uh, I'm going to say the men always make more money. They always have. And, the, and, you know, in what I do, it kind of starts, you start at a certain number and then it kind of goes up, you know, you get more money, but you never get what they're getting. So, um, 
And the way that I've ever asked for more money is to have really great representatives that just tell me to hang tough. And, um, you know, I'll never forget on Married with Children when we were all trying to get more money. And this is in the day, I guess I can talk about this. Can I, yeah. When you, you know, you tell the network or the studio that you were sick, that you couldn't come to work, that you couldn't show up. And really what you were doing <laughs> is, is, is trying to get what you were worth. And, you know, the things that I would hear, the like, you know, well, we're going to write her out or we're going to, you know, there's going to be a new wife or he's going to get divorced or, you know, all this stuff. And you just have to hold your ground. You just have to. I mean, I can remember literally having to stay home and having to get in my car with my husband at the time and hide my face so that nobody could see I'd left the house because I would told my work, you know, and this was like paparazzi time and all that, you know. So there were those conversations, but I've always had really good representation that has backed me up on that and been probably stronger than me in terms of, no, you, you deserve to get this. It was early on in the show when you, your pregnancy was written into the show um, and you had a stillborn daughter after you were seven months pregnant. Then it sounds like you had to go back to the show first if you could kind of take us through what it was like to have to go through personal trauma and have it be so intertwined with your creative and professional life and, you know, how involved you were in writing the new arc um, for the character and what that process was like. Yeah, it was a pretty dark period there. Uh, Yeah, when they decided to write the pregnancy in, that was very exciting. That was great. And then uh, the outcome of it, was horrible and they decided to deal with it as a dream sequence. Like they, like there was a dream pregnancy. I mean, it was this, it was actually, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. It was clever, I think at the time, but it was no less heartbreaking. It was weird. And, um, and then, uh, you know, I had my other two, my, I have three children. I had two of them while I was on the show the rest of the time. And at that point they were every, we were all so freaked out because, um, you know, stillbirth is something that uh, they call it an act of God. Out of 60% of stillborn children, there's no medical reason. And my Ruby, I called her Ruby, um, was that. There was no medical reason. And so, which is a very difficult thing to wrap your brain around because I, as a, you know, I felt like I did something. I did something wrong. And, you know, the big lesson I learned is that, no, I didn't. And, uh, but, we were all very um, scared after that because then I, I took, took me another year to get pregnant. I didn't even want to try. I was just so freaked out. So then my other two, the, the show was equally as freaked out. And so they, I got pregnant. Then they'd send me home and, I, and I'd do all my stuff on the phone. I think with Sarah, they sent me home at five months of pregnancy. And I just laid around the house and still got paid, which was awesome, which was great. And then with Jackson also, I think they kind of sent me home early and I did some, because with Ruby, I I worked the entire time until there was a problem. And so nobody knew if that had contributed. Yeah, that was a weird, that was a horrible time. It was horrible to be in the press with it. It was horrible to have it so public. It was just, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's the mixed blessing and the curse of being um, successful is that, you know, sometimes people know too much. And this decade of success Seagal had playing Peg Bundy, it had its professional drawbacks, too. She says she developed a lot of bad habits as an actor that were difficult to shake later on. I sucked. I was, like, terrible. And so 
you know, I never went to acting school, really. I just didn't, I just learned on the job. So I've worked with a coach ever since. I still work with a coach. And because I want to be, I want to learn more. I just want to be, I want to learn more. And so with every role that I'm offered or give, you know, anything that comes my way, there's, now I feel like I know how to do the work of an actor, which is a real craft. I really wanted to be a dramatic actor. Nobody would take me seriously. I had been, you know, Peg Bundy, this bigger than life character for so many years. It took a minute. It took me, I didn't really have a plan. Well, I'm sure I told my manager, my agent, I'm sure I said, this is what I want to do next. But I don't think any of it worked out. (laughs) I think that then what happens is, you know, you do some jobs you don't really want to do, but they're jobs and you need a job. So I would do that. And then I think my biggest goal was I didn't want to keep doing comedy. I wanted to also broaden my own creative space. So I remember when I did, um, I got a part on Lost on that TV show and I had to audition like two or three times. They had to see me before they would believe it, that I could come in and do a dramatic arc. So I got that job. It was like a little creak in the door of getting away from this, the, my bigger than life, Peg Bundy. And, and then uh, fortunately, my husband, when I, after I got married to Kurt, he wrote me that part in Sons of Anarchy, which really kind of opened a big door in terms of dramatic work as well. Seagal is 67 now. She's been a near constant on television since 1987. There's not many roles written for women over 60, over 50, and then into your 60s. One of the things that has been so appealing about Rebel is that they came to me and were age-appropriate. They were, we want you to be number one on the call sheet. The show's named Rebel, and you are in your 60s, and that's what we want. And I think that that is a trope. Ageism is a trope that has to change. You know, just as we talk about diversity and, and so much of the conversation, ageism for women is is just as much a conversation. I think that a role like Rebel, um, where she is a full rounded person, she's a working person, a mom, a, a wife, a, 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 an everything. She's an everything person, which most of the women my age I know are everything people. They are They are that. So if we're looking to have a world where we all where we have a world where we're all represented, this is another area that has to be represented. And and in the entertainment industry, it just seems like there's just very few, they've got this stigma about getting older that suddenly you're older and you're no longer viable or sexy or smart or anything. And it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I want to say, for me, it's changing. I mean, for me personally, and I hope that that is is a representation of what can happen further on. It won't happen on Rebel. In September of last year, ABC ordered a 10-episode first season. And this May, the network canceled the show after airing just five episodes. More than 75,000 people have signed a Change.org petition asking ABC to give the show a second chance, which seems like a long shot. But you'll still see Seagal on primetime network TV this fall. Like in the role that made her a star, she'll play a brash and endearing woman from a white, working-class, suburban Illinois community. What would it look like if Peg Bundy had never had kids, or never become a Bundy in the first place, and ultimately landed in a caring family? I know you're just looking out for Dan. 
But don't you want him to have someone to spend the rest of his life well, with? I don't That's Dan as in Dan Connor. Seagal will reprise her role as his fiancée, Louise, on The Connors, which is, of course, the spinoff of Roseanne, the show that debuted a year after Married with Children and soon secured its own place in the pantheon of dysfunctional American TV families. In Her Shoes is edited and produced by Camila Salazar. Our lead producer is Jasmine Aguilera, and Hannah Rosen and I are executive producers. The Cut is made possible by the excellent team at New York Magazine. Subscribe today to support their work at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm Nishat Purwa. Thanks for listening.